You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. <laughs> Man, youth camp, how good was youth camp? Man, so good. You know, there's something powerful about our moments in our life where we, I guess, take ourselves out of the daily grind, where we take ourselves you know, out of that day-to-day, just mundane life and have a moment with Jesus, right? Youth camps, you know, I've got so many good memories of youth camps. I'm sure uh, some of us here tonight have been on youth camps or maybe on things like encounter retreats where we've had a moment with Jesus and we've taken ourselves out of that daily grind and we've had this moment with Jesus and God's done something amazing in us, right? Where God has, has almost touched something on the inside, you know, it's so powerful to take yourself out of, I guess, that daily ground, like I said, and make time where you can uh, connect with God on that intimate level. You know, because if He can lead you to a revelation on the inside, and then most of the time, the outside changes, right? If we want outside circumstances to change, the majority of the time, it has to start on the inside first, right? There needs to be inside change before the outside changes, But if we don't allow Jesus to do a work on the inside, then usually the outside dictates how we feel and act on the inside. It's why we can get so low and down and depressed because we become so self-focused, right? And so it's so important to find moments in your day, moments in your week, moments in your year where you take yourself out of the daily nitty and gritty and have those moments with God where He can speak into your life, you know, I I just really believe that the reason that God does a work in you, let's go, can we go a little bit deeper? I really believe that the reason why God does a work in you is so he can do a work through you, yeah? You know, I just believe that there's always someone at the end of your obedience, you know, whenever we hear from God, you know, we've heard some young people tonight who they've, they've heard a word from God, I really believe that when we hear God speak to us, right, there's always someone at the other end of us obeying what God's told us to do. You know, so many times in my life, I've heard the word of God. I've heard God tell me to do something. Sometimes I haven't done it and regretted it. Sometimes I've done it, right? And some cool things have happened all because I heard the word of God, you know, in a moment, in that intimate moment, I've stepped out and done it. And God has done something amazing, not just in me, but through me, right? Here's the thing. Here's, here's the real question. You know, I'm sure we've all been to camps, conferences, whatever, right? Here's the real question. We have these amazing, intense moments with God, but what happens next? What do we do now? Now that God, now that we've encountered God, right? We come to church every single Sunday, right? And we have these moments with Jesus in the worship. We have these moments with Jesus while the preaching's going, right? And, and God touches something on the inside. But what do we do now once God has done something in you. And this is what I want to talk about tonight. Okay, I want to talk about what's the next step? What do I do now once God has touched my life? Are you ready? Great. I want to continue a series that I've been doing looking at the first sermon of Jesus. And in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus come out onto the scene and start preaching and teaching his way of doing life. In fact, his first sermon is called the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatus in Latin simply means happy or fortunate. And so the first thing that Jesus starts preaching and teaching uh, uh, when he comes onto the scene is how to be happy, right? And so he starts his first sermon by saying things like this, God blesses those 
who are poor in spirit, right? Can we put, the, put our scripture up? God blesses those who are poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. He starts saying things like, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. We've gone over these things already, and you can go back to our podcast and uh, get those things. Tonight, we're gonna look at this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Right, the next question after a youth camp or you know, God doing something in your life is what next? We're gonna unpack this tonight because I think Jesus is showing us what next. What do you do next once you've had that encounter with Jesus? Uh, we've gone over this, the word blessed, makarios, simply means happy. Uh, uh, sorry, simply means, uh, uh, it means happy. It has nothing to do with financial or material happiness, but everything to do with the consequences of good decision-making right? That's what this word means. In fact, there's two words in scripture that mean blessing. There's a word called Baruch. Everyone say Baruch. Great, you're now all Hebrew. Everyone say Asherah. Asherah. Baruch means this. It means the supernatural favor of God. So if, if you've prayed to God about something and then he answered it, of no other thing just because he's good, he answered it, that's called Baruch blessing, right? Supernatural favor. The, the Asherah blessing is simply good things that happen because of good decision-making, right? That's what it means. In the Hebrew context, when Jesus is saying this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus is using the Asherah term, meaning this. He's saying that happy consequences come to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that these are the characteristics in your life that will truly make you happy. When you're poor in spirit, when you mourn, when you're humble, and when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so I wanna talk about what's the next step now? What is it here that Jesus is telling us that when we have an encounter with him, what the next step is? It's right here. We're gonna unpack four things. Then we're gonna unpack the word blessed. We're gonna unpack hunger and thirst. We're gonna unpack righteousness. And then the word filled. And I believe tonight that God's gonna show you what your next step is after you've had an encounter with Jesus. Blessed as we know, we know that we've talked about it, it means happy because of situational practice, right? Because of situational practice, that's what Jesus is talking about, right? Everyone here who's been on youth camp, God's done some good things in your life, right? But now there's a next step. It's not just about getting a touch from God and then leaving it in the Gold Coast, right? It's not about, you know, maybe you've been on a counter retreat. It's not about getting a touch from Jesus and then leaving that memory in the past. Maybe you've had a touch from God before. Maybe you came to a great church service. Maybe you went into a really wicked life group and it was just awesome and God blew your brain away. It's not about leaving those memories in the past. It's about taking what God's done in your life and putting it into practice now. That's the trick. That's the Christian life, right? See, because God's done something in you, now he wants to do something through you, which requires all of us, and our youth included, to make intentional decisions that brings what God did in you out of you, okay? So I guess the next question is this. What is it that God wants to do out of me? He's done something in me. What does he want to do out of me? And Jesus answers this here. When he says this, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The next thing that I want to unpack is this whole idea of righteousness. This is what I believe our next step is. Our next step is to live a righteous life. Now, here's the thing, right? Um, 
the word righteous simply means uh, morally right or justifiable, right? But there's a problem with what we think right and wrong is, right? Proverbs 21, two says this, a man looks right in his own eyes, meaning this, we all know that everyone has an opinion based on each other's experiences, but there's only one right opinion, mine, <laughs> right? In my opinion, I'm right, which only means one thing, you're wrong, right? We live this kind of life, you know, where, you know, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in our friendships, whatever it is, I'm right, everybody else is wrong because a man looks right in his own eyes. Uh, when my daughter Abigail was one, oh, just a little bit, around one, she started to walk. And um, as she started to walk, you know, Kat and myself were really excited and we were like, oh, this is so cool. Look at our daughter walking. This is wicked awesome. It's awesome. It's so cool. And we were giving her lots of attention and praise and it was so, so good. She was getting really, really good at walking. But then something strange happened. A few weeks into her walking, every time she entered our lounge room and we were out of the lounge room, she would fall over and hurt herself. She would like fall into the coffee table and bruise her hip or she would uh, fall against the corner of the walls and like scrape her arm. Uh, she would, you know, fall over her toys. Whenever we were around her, she was walking really, really cool and we were so excited for her. But whenever she went to the lounge room and we weren't there, she would end up crying because she's fallen over. And I thought it's really, really strange. Like, what's happening? Is it maybe, the, you know, some bit of the carpet is lifted up or, you know, maybe she's tripping over a toy. Maybe the house is on a lean. Like, why does she keep falling over? And so I thought to myself, you know what? I've got to research this a little bit more and find out why my girl, who's doing so good at walking, why she keeps falling over. And so one uh, day, I, 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 um, you know, I would go into the lounge room every, every, every time. I'd go in the lounge room and, Abby, what's wrong? Malachi, what happened? And he'd say, Daddy, she fell over. I'm like, um, why did she fall over? And so one time, I thought, you know what? I've got to find out what happened. And so I remember one time I turned the TV on. I said, okay, kids, TV time. Mum's outside. Dad's going to go outside go into the lounge room. And so I went around the corner to go down the stairs and I faked going down the stairs. I turned around and I peeked around the corner to watch what would happen. And I saw Abigail, Malachi sitting in the chair where he usually sits and Abby starts walking into the lounge room and I'm like, okay, what is it that she falls over? I need to know why she's getting hurt. And so I'm seeing Abby, she's walking into the lounge room and she's about to get to the coffee table and then I notice my son gets off the couch and he starts walking toward Abby, and I think to myself, what a great little kid. He's going to go and help his sister and find out. Like, this kid, just like his daddy, so empathetic, you know, so sympathetic, nice, you know, loves other people and help. This kid's just like his dad, you know, got all the good traits from his dad, so cool. When he, get ang when he gets angry, he's like his mum, right? But, you know, so he's gone over to help his sister. I'm thinking, what a little champion. This kid's awesome. What a great dad I am. Number one parent, right? I've got to teach my wife how to be better at this. And so, that's not true. She's way better than me. And so he starts walking over to Abby and then something happened that changed my whole opinion. Changed my whole thing, right? He walked over to her and as he walked past her, the little punk hip-checked her. Just bang. Smacked her, right? And she fell into the coffee table. Bang, right in the coffee table. You know, hurt herself and started crying. And I'm like that little punk, seriously. So I jumped out and I said, Oi, well, I saw that. Have you been doing this this whole time? Right? And he turned around. I said, I caught you, you punk. I said, why do you do this for? 
And he looked at me and he said, because I don't like her dad. So he passed away after that. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I said to him this. I said, I don't care if you don't like her. I do. Right? I said to him, I don't care what your opinion is of, of her. All that matters is my opinion. I like her and she's staying. Right? That childish story, no. The point is this, Right? The point is this, he was getting really upset that she was getting all this attention because she was starting to walk, right? Getting a bit jealous with the attention. And so he thought he was justified in his own eyes, right? He thought that he had all the uh, permission in the world to go and make her fall over, right? He justified to himself in his own eyes, he thought that this was the right way to deal with her. I wonder how many of us do that in life, right? (laughs) A little bit touchy, right? Where things happen to us or we're not getting the attention that we think we deserve or we're not getting paid what we think we're worth or this isn't happening to me and they're getting all this and we start to attack other people, right? Hip-checking them into coffee tables, right? (laughs) If you get hip-checked into the coffee table this week, you know that they're... Anyway, I wonder how often we do things like that where... You know, we do things that we justify ourselves for. You know, Jesus talks about this exact same thing. In Matthew 5.20, he says this. He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness, right, exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, this is huge. Jesus just offended lots of people. In fact, Jesus just offended all the wrong people. In fact, this little statement here is probably one of the things that got him killed. This is probably one of the things why these people, the Pharisees, decided with other people to murder Jesus. When he says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom. Okay, first of all, we need to understand who the Pharisees are. Uh, The Pharisees were these religious people. uh, The word Pharisee actually just means um, separate ones. Okay, that's what they mean. They named themselves the separated ones, right? And so what, what were they separate from? They were separate from all the sinners, right? People like you and me, everyday people. What these people believed in was this, that you had the Bible and then just we had to follow every single rule. And if you didn't follow the rules, then you were out. If you followed all the rules exactly all the time, then you were in. But if you were sick, if you hurt yourself, If you did something naughty, you're out. And to get back in, you have to kill all these animals. You have to do all these things, give all these offerings to try and make God like you again. Because if you did something wrong, then God didn't like you. This is who the Pharisees are, right? And in the day, the Pharisees said that we are the standard of righteousness. That's what they believed, right? They believed that their rules, that would get you into heaven. That would get you right with God. They were the standard, But then Jesus comes along and says this, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom. This was crazy. Few things, right? The Pharisees said this. The Pharisees said, hey, don't kill anyone. Now, who thinks that's a good idea? No one, okay. (laughs) Who thinks not killing people is good? 
Four of us, fantastic. That's good, I'm gonna hang out with you four people, okay? You're now my new friends, everyone else, you're out, right? <laughs> Jesus said this, Jesus said, hey, that's a good rule. In fact, I like that rule, but you know what? We're gonna go one step further. Don't kill, but also don't hate people. So Jesus took what the standard was and raised the bar. There was this one time where the Pharisees, they said this, they said, don't commit adultery, right? Don't do it. Jesus said, that's a good rule, but you know what? I'm gonna raise the bar. Yeah, don't commit adultery, but don't lust after anyone. I'm gonna raise the bar. There's this one rule where the Pharisees said, listen, you can get divorced only if it's legal to do so. Jesus said, yeah, it's a good rule, but let's, uh, let's raise the bar. Fight for the marriage first as much as you can, right? Don't just go straight to the legal benchmark. Fight for it as much as you can. Um, the Pharisees said, if you sign a contract, then make sure you do what you said you were gonna do. Jesus said, yeah, oaths are good. That's a good standard, but you know what? Let's just make our, word, our yes be yeses and our no's be no's, right? Let's be people of our, let's be people of, of our word, right? Uh, the Pharisees said this. The Pharisees said, love your neighbor. Jesus said, oh, that's pretty cool. Love your neighbor, that's good. I'm gonna raise the bar and say this. Love your enemies. Jesus took what the righteous, what the Pharisees said was this was the standard. Hey, if you do this, if you love your neighbor, then you're in, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You actually have to love your enemies and pray for them. That's the new standard, right? And so Jesus seems to take the Christian life and make it harder. Like, what's he doing that for? Why is he seemingly making the standard higher and making it harder, right? Well, it's right in this first sermon. The answer's in this first sermon, why Jesus is doing that. Can we go to the next slide? Right, back to, the, back to God blesses, right? And, and this is the first part of Jesus' sermon. He says this, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, right? Happy consequences come to the humble. Happy consequences come to those who hunger and thirst. Everything about this first half of the Beatitudes is about letting things on the inside of you that are you go, Okay? When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, what he's saying is, hey, happy consequences come to you when you realize your need from God, right? You, 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 sorry, your need for God. So what he's saying is this, when you empty yourself of yourself and realize you need God, that's good, right? There's an emptying. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. We talked about this, the word mourn there means the hurt that happens when you walk away from sin, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, happy consequences when you get all the sin out of your life. So it's, it's the emptying of sin. He says, blessed are those who are humble, right? Jesus is saying, hey, get all that selfishness and pride out of your life. Jesus says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry only when my tummy is empty, right? There's an emptying. The first half of Jesus's message here is all about getting everything of you out, right? He's setting us up here, right? Jesus is, is setting us up. He's raised the standard. He's setting us up what our next step is when we encounter him. You gotta understand, these people are encountering Jesus for the first time here, right? In, in, in his sermon. And right here, he's telling us, hey, you want the next step of what it is when you have an encounter with Jesus, what your next step is? It's right here. Firstly, empty yourself of yourself. Because what's interesting is the next half of Jesus's sermon of the Beatitudes, right? It's all about becoming an empty vessel, right? Malachi was all about himself 
but I needed him to have my opinion on Abby, not his own opinion, right? He needed to empty his own opinion of who Abigail is in our family. Because then Jesus says this, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Here's the key word, right? Jesus is saying this, hey, empty yourself of you, and then I'm going to fill you. Now here's the thing, fill you with what? Check this out. The next half of the scripture says this. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, right? So this is now stuff of who we are. Merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted. All these things don't exist unless there's an outward expression, right? You can't be a person of mercy unless you're merciful, right? You're not called a peacemaker unless you make peace, right? (laughs) You're not called pure unless you're living, you know, that pure life. You're not persecuted you know, if people don't know that you're a Christian, right? All these things here are outward expressions now of what is in your life, right? And so Jesus is saying this. He's saying that happy consequences come to those who empty themselves and allow me to fill them up with who God is, right? That's what he's saying here. He's saying happy consequences come to those who can empty themselves of themselves and allow, uh, allow themselves to be filled up with who I am. I'm here to tell you tonight, right, that having an encounter with Jesus is not just about me having a good time with God, right? But having a moment with Jesus is all about God doing things in me, me getting rid of myself so that God can fill me up with Him, so that God's done something in me, so that He can do something through me. That's why it's so important to have an encounter with God. That's the next step. The next step is allowing him to do something in me so he can do something through me. That's the thing, right? Our community is not waiting for a church of people just to go to church every Sunday. That does jack all for them. Who gives a rip, right? What our community needs is people who have less of themselves and full of God full of mercy, full of peace, full of purity, and they know that we're Christians. That's what your friends are after, young people. That's what your school needs. It needs people who are full of mercy, who are full of peace, right? Who are full of good things, who are full of righteousness, who can come into a school and not just say, oh, I go to church on Sundays, but someone who can go in there and start a prayer meeting. Someone who can go in there and bring people to youth. You know, let's go one step further. Don't wait for youth. Do something at school. Man. I remember we ran a youth camp once and, you know, kids' lives got changed. I'll have Tom tell the story here, I do. Kids' lives got changed. And, uh, you know, uh, I got a text from, from some of my leaders this week saying, oh, hey, Pastor Tim, you know, some th- awesome things are happening in, 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 in my tribe. Um, you know, they're getting people saved at school. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Fantastic, that's always a good thing. And I said, oh, one other thing, the teachers are getting pretty annoyed though. I said, oh, why is that? And they said, well, we're not just getting them saved, they're actually getting touched by Jesus. I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, some of my tribe guys, they're out in the playground praying for their friends and their friends are getting smashed in the Holy Ghost. And now they're praying in tongues at school. And they're late to class because they're on the oval, on their face, drunk in the Holy Ghost. I said... LOL, (laughs) right? (laughs) Our community 
doesn't need a bunch of church goers, right? It needs a bunch of church doers, right? Because God does something in me so that he can do something through me. That's what the Christian walk is all about. It's active. There's no such thing as a non-active Christian, right? There's only active people following the rabbi Jesus. There's only people who are getting dirty in his dust while they're following who he is, right? That's what being a Christian is all about. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Few things here. Number one, you're a masterpiece. If someone's told you different, they're a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire, right? You are a masterpiece. Jesus says so, right? If anyone else has told you something different, right? Just drop kick, right? Get that stuff out of your life, right? Get that stuff out of your life. Have an encounter with God and get that stuff out of your life. That's pride, right? When you're holding on to past hurts, it's not their problem, it's your problem. Can we just go there for a second? Stop blaming everyone else for your problems, right? Deal with it in your heart. Let it go so that God can fill you up with Him, right? I'm not saying that what they did was justified. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying what they did was right, right? What they did is probably wrong. But I'm saying you can deal with it, right? Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die, right? That's not how it works, right? Forgive the people. Move forward, right? Because God calls you a masterpiece. And check this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You know, once we were broken, right? The song says it, right? You know, now I'm found, right? Here's the thing, right? Our new life in Christ, it, this is now our responsibility for us to recreate life, right? Because He's created us anew, right? Once we were whole, then we were broken, and Jesus now makes us whole again. We have to do that same thing. If we are to be imitators of Christ, like the Word says, we are to go into situations that seem broken and bring wholeness into them. That's our job, right? Why? Because we're His masterpiece. We're the greatest plan that God has. You, oh, oh, you are God's greatest plan. Far out, <laughs> right? You are God's greatest plan, right? He's created us so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Long, long ago. I'm here to tell you tonight, right, that Jesus has a plan for your life. And the plan is this, that you would have an encounter with him so that something on the inside changes. It becomes less of you, right? He, he died for, for me. I'm gonna live for him, right? The whole idea is that, you know, I'm gonna empty myself so that God can come in on the inside of me and so that he can do something through me. That's what it's all about. Jesus, halfway through his sermon, halfway through his sermon, he says, God wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. And what is it that he wants to do? He wants to do this. He wants to give you the power through the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. So that standard that almost looked impossible is now possible through Jesus has nothing to do with what Tim can do. In fact, Tim, left to his own devices, will just screw himself up. But Tim has an encounter with Jesus and empties himself of himself. Oh, watch out, world. <laughs> right? Watch out. 
Same as for you in your life. When you have a moment, one moment with Jesus, it's so that He can do something in you. He can heal some of those past things. Paul says, I forget the past and I look forward to what God has for me, right? He wants to do something in you. He wants to work on issues and cause you to move forward, right? For one thing, it's that He can reach other people who don't yet know Him. We are a conduit. Understand what that word means, right? We are the power cable. We are the lead we're the vehicle for God to meet other people. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for our church. I thank you that you've called us for great things. Lord, I thank you that you've called us for things bigger than ourselves. I just speak over our whole church right now and everyone here. Lord, that even right now, as we just spend time in your presence right now, do something in our hearts, Lord, something new, something fresh. I thank you for what you did yesterday, but I don't want yesterday's bread. I want to touch right now, Lord. I want your presence in my life right now, Lord. And Lord, as we just right now become aware of your presence, speak to us. Show us those people that you want us to speak to. Actually, right now, there's a few people here tonight and right now God's placing names on your life, in your mind right now. God's placing names and their names that he wants you to wants you to win, wants you to talk to. God wants to do something through you to these people right now. He wants to use you to reach these people. Who's that tonight? Just give while everyone's got their eyes closed, who's that? Just some names came to your head. Just say, Pastor Tim, right there, there's some names that I need to need to reach. A few people, anyone else? Say, Pastor Tim, that's me. Yeah, I, I, I want to pray for you. Right now, Holy Spirit, give boldness to those people, Lord. Give boldness right now, Holy Spirit. Fear a man broken right now off our lives. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want more of you. Hey, well, why don't we stand tonight, church? Let's stand. And let's just finish off with this one song. And as we sing, let's be aware of his presence. And let's be aware of one thing. He wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. Amen. for listening to this podcast.